Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. It is my pleasure to introduce our preacher today, Remy Shores. Remy Shores, pronouns they, them, theirs, is a graduate from TCU with a Bachelor of Arts in Religion and working on their Masters of Divinity at Bright Divinity School. Galileo Church is sponsoring them on a track towards ordination for ministry with the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Called to next church ministry, they are excited to be on the frontier of online worship and community, building through Galileo's Inside Out ministry. Their passions for justice, kindness, and beauty are all rooted in what they have learned in relationship with others. Remy has a wife, Nathan Shores, whom they met and married at Galileo Church, and together they take care of three cats. The table is what tethers Remy's life, faith, and ministry to the world God wants. It's where they became engaged to Nathan, discerned their call to ministry, and return again and again for spiritual nourishment. They seek to learn how to do ministry primarily by paying attention to Imago Dei, the image of God, in the real-life folks around them. The table and these real-life people are both human enough to be accessible and divine enough to be ever mysterious. We are honored to welcome them here at Azel Christian Church and to hear the fresh word of God they bring today. Thank you, Randy. Good morning, church. Thank you for that introduction, Nicole. Um, as Nicole said, I'm Remy, um, and I'm the apprentice evangelist at Galileo Church. Um, and I'm so glad to be worshiping with you all this morning and honored to bring greetings from Galileo, um, as well as sincere gratitude for all your years of support. Um, the church that you all helped to fund has supported and empowered me to be here today, and I'm really grateful. Um, our story today is not a traditional Christmas time story, but as Nicole pointed out, it's very similar in that it's a story of God showing up in unexpected places. Um, and today I'm going to talk about how we can best pay attention to make sure that we don't miss when God shows up in burning bushes or abandoned stables and mangers. Um, hear this word from Exodus 2:23 through 3:15. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their enslavement and cried out. Out of their enslavement, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. 
Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is this God's name? What will I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever and my title for all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Church, will you pray with me? God, who made us and sees us and knows us, we're gathered here today to try to see you, to draw our hearts nearer to your heart. You who see us every day and every moment of our lives, you who count the hairs on our head, the least we could do is to gather for just this one hour once a week and try to see you. We're grateful for the relative safety of this space that allows us to see one another despite the pandemic, as that is how we can truly see you in each other. Come down and be here with us. See us and let us see you. We ask all this in the name of your Son, who saw those no one else could see, and in the power of his living spirit. Amen. Church, when was the last time that you felt truly seen? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you're talking with a friend who knows you just really well and you're describing everything you're going through and they just pause and look at you and they say, that sounds really hard. 
Isn't that just the best feeling? It's so kind and soothing. There's something so generous about being seen. When a loved one validates the pain that you already feel, it, it validates, it gives you permission to feel it. And that permission makes it hurt just a little bit less. And sometimes when people see us, they, they can also help us. Um, I, remember, I remember a few years ago when someone saw me, my spouse and I were in a really hard place financially. And we were overwhelmed, and we didn't know how we could get out of it. And so we were confiding in someone at our church, and she just saw us. She had been there. She knew what we were going through. She saw us and heard us. Um, When she was in that place, her family had been able to enroll in a financial program that helped them get out and, and, you know, get to a better place financially. But, of course, the program costs money, so, you know, it catch-22. But she offered to buy us one year's subscription. She said that she could afford to now that her family had been in the program long enough, and she was able to be generous with us after she had seen us and, and knew what we were going through. That was such a good gift. And the next year, when we had to pay for it ourselves, it was no problem because the program had helped us to get on our feet and be able to do that. Of course, it's also possible to be helped without being seen. Lots of my friends working in the gig economy lost a lot of income due to COVID-19, and those stimulus checks from the government helped in serious ways. But those checks did not see us. The government did not see us the way my friend saw me when she offered to help. Of course, the dollar amount of help was almost like 10 times as much, but it was not the same as being seen. This text tells us that God has seen and heard and known the suffering of God's people. This God, so present for most of Genesis, has been absent for several chapters of the Torah now. This is God's first appearance back after hundreds of years. The Israelites don't even remember God's name, but their cry rose up, and now God has come down to deliver God's people. Moses, too, has practiced seeing before intervening. We didn't read about it today, but just a few verses earlier, Moses saw an enslaved Israelite being beaten by one of the Egyptians, and he intervened. Afterwards, he fled from Egypt to Midian, and as soon as he found a well and sat down for a water break, he saw another opportunity for intervention. When Jethro's daughters, on their way to the same well, were attacked, Moses saw their distress and got up to come to their defense. As Christians, we also remember how Jesus saw and heard and knew the trials of those whom he helped. When a woman with chronic illness reached out to touch Jesus' robes in order to be healed, Jesus didn't simply move on from there. I mean, surely he could have. That healing was enough to change her life forever. But he didn't stop there. He interrupted what he was doing to see her and hear her. He stopped to call her daughter. Even when the help had already been given, Jesus paused to make sure the woman was not only healed, but also seen. It's a good gift to be seen and known and loved.
I'm convinced it's a Christian discipline to see and know and love others. But how do we do it? It might be easy to see our friends whose stories we know like our own or to see the person going through something you've gone through yourself, but how do we see those who are different from us, those we don't understand? Moses' first step to seeing God was curiosity. When he noticed that the bush was on fire but not consumed, he said, I must turn aside to see this great sight. He didn't yet know that what he was seeing was God's messenger, but he stopped long enough to find out. I mean, what if he hadn't? He would never have known that he had ignored the God of his ancestors and the God of the universe. I wonder how often we ignore God without knowing it. How can we be sure that we won't miss it when God is right in front of us? One place we can be sure that we will find God is in other people. Scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God, what our ancestors in faith have called in Latin the imago dei. When we see the face of our neighbor, we are seeing God. But are we really seeing them? Not just with our eyes, the way Moses first noticed the bush on his walk beyond the wilderness, but more intentionally, like when he turned aside to see. The way God sees the enslaved and the oppressed. The way Jesus saw the grieving and the ill. The way that church lady saw me. If we don't really see one another, how can we expect to see God? The problem is, of course, that it's really hard to see one another. It's especially hard to see the other when they are different than you. When I first told people that my gender identity is not what it appears, a lot of people couldn't see me. Some of them decided I wasn't worth seeing because the way I was behaving didn't fit with their idea of how a compliant Christian daughter should behave. My grandfather said, I'm almost 70 years old None of this makes any sense to me. It stung when he said that, but he was right. It doesn't make sense to him. In the last several years, our culture has been changing exponentially by leaps and bounds. It's really hard to keep up. The advent of the internet and the rapid fire development of technology around it is changing the way we live our lives at an unprecedented rate. The internet is primarily a technology of communication, so it changes the culture around it, just like the printing press and the telegram and the telephone changed the world around them. Email and texting ushered in a whole new era, and then social media came along right on the heels of it. And I'm not saying any of this is a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's happening really, really, really fast. And I'm saying that our cultural shifts around gender and sexuality are connected to the near limitless communication we have on the internet. Again, these shifts are not necessarily bad. I'm actually really grateful for how this world has expanded my, t my imagination. But mainly what I'm saying is that the difference between me and my grandfather is a lot bigger than the difference between him and his grandfather. And meanwhile, as our ever-increasing technological advancements deepen the generational divide, longer lifespans mean that there are more generations than ever trying to coexist with each other and trying to see one another. 
I mean, I think it's hard to relate to my grandfather, but what about a great or great-great-grandparent? I was an adult before my great-grandmother died, and she lived to see great-great-grandkids. It wasn't that long ago that we would usually only have two or three generations surviving at the same time, but now we have four and sometimes five, so we have more generations, and all of them have bigger gaps between them because of our rapid cultural shifts. So how is it even possible to see the Imago Dei in our fellow humans when they're so different from us? Just like Moses, I think we have to start with curiosity. Neither the bush nor the flame was behaving the way bushes and flames should behave. <laughs> this phenomenon did not fit in Moses' story of how the world works, just like I don't fit in my grandfather's story of how the world works. The human instinct when something doesn't fit our narratives is to ignore it. And most of the time, we don't even know we're doing it. When we read the news, we skim past the things that don't gel with our ideologies and latch on to the things that promote the narrative we already subscribe to. When something doesn't make sense, we pretend it doesn't exist. But Moses does the opposite. He says, I must turn aside to see this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. He could have assumed that his eyes were playing tricks on him in this place beyond the wilderness, a perfectly reasonable narrative that fits neatly in his own. He's a wandering shepherd, probably hungry enough to be delirious, in blazing heat and barren landscape where the light famously plays tricks on people. But instead of accepting this perfectly reasonable story, he stops to ask why. Moses is prepared to change his narrative to account for what he sees in front of him. If you've ever tried to change your narrative about how the world works, you know it's really hard to do. It's exhausting and scary. It's also a really good gift to the people who don't fit in your narrative. And it's rewarding. When Moses changes his narrative enough to make room for God, God tells Moses a new story about who Moses really is. Moses is a liberator chosen to lead God's people out of enslavement. When Moses saw God, he also saw himself, but more. Not like looking in a mirror, but he saw himself the way God sees him. Curiosity is a really generous and generative way to approach phenomena that we don't understand. Instead of throwing up his hands and saying, none of this makes any sense to me, it would be such a good gift if my grandfather said, I must turn aside to see this great sight. I'm not saying he needs to really understand me. I don't think he has the time or energy or, frankly, interest to read about gender theory and queer theology. And really, I don't need or even want him to do that. I don't need him to understand me. I just want him to see me. Maybe when he does, he'll see God. And maybe he'll learn something new about himself in the process, about who God calls him to be. I don't know if my grandfather will be able to give me that gift in his lifetime. But I wonder if I can give it to him. I wonder if I could turn aside to see him. I doubt I'll ever be able to understand him his trauma from being drafted into the Marines during Vietnam, 
how he watched his friend die on a job they worked together, how his prickly personality and controlling tendencies was always an effort to protect his family. I don't know if I can ever understand that, but maybe I can see it. And maybe when I do, I will see God. And maybe I'll see who God sees in me and who God calls me to be. I wonder if you all can see me and if I can see you. If people who have stuck with the church all these years, pouring your time and money and faith into it, can see millennials with church hurt. If spiritual refugees can see people who are just trying their hardest to preserve the best parts of the Christian institution. I wonder if Azel can see Galileo, and if Galileo can see Azel. I feel sure that if we can see one another, we will see more clearly who God calls each of us to be. Because when we see one another, we will see God. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.